Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Degish America Presents. I am your host, Ben Harl, and as always, I'm so glad that you joined us. Last episode, we started introducing you to the three most used fumigants in the United States by speaking to Herb Yeaman about phosphine. Herb offered us some terrific insight into the world of phosphine, and I'm really glad we had a chance to learn from one of the best in the industry. Today, we're going to continue that discussion by talking about one of the most heavily regulated fumigants in the market, methyl bromide. Did you know that in the early 2000s, methyl bromide was scheduled to be phased out due to potential ozone depletion? Did you know that not only are there different methyl bromide products on the market, but that there are also different certifications for the use of methyl bromide? Well, today we've invited Pam Peckman, who's in charge of regulatory compliance and technical services at IFC, to join us to discuss methyl bromide and the sometimes confusing regulatory requirements that surround it. So please help me welcome Pam to the podcast. Pam, how are you doing today? Doing well. So I'm really glad to have you on the podcast today. It's really good to be able to pull in experts on these different topics. And I know methyl bromide, uh, while the fumigant itself isn't necessarily that complex to use, I know the regulatory requirements and the regulatory restrictions for it are very confusing and can seem very daunting to people who have not used this particular fumigant very often. And so I'm definitely glad that we're going to have you on the podcast today to help kind of clear some of that up. So I really appreciate your time today. All right. So if you could do me a favor and just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, tell us a little bit uh, about your background in the fumigation industry, that'd be terrific. Sure. Well, uh, while I was growing up, I discovered my dad's college insect collection and was immediately fascinated by it. So I began to pursue my own collection and eventually, as I grew older, decided to attend Kansas State University uh, and pursued a higher degree in entomology. And I began working for IFC in 1993 as a staff entomologist and regulatory compliance manager. And at the time, I knew quite a bit about insects, but very little about the regulatory world. And I do recall Uh, discussions during my interview for a job with IFC that methyl bromide had recently been listed as an ozone-depleting substance, because that was quite a big concern at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that it would become tightly controlled in the future. Of course, at that time, I had no idea uh, that I would be involved with trying to figure out some of the the regulations around it, because I had, I really didn't know what methyl bromide was at the time. But it has been interesting to watch how the international treaty process has worked um, and how the U.S. government manufacturers, end users like our company and grower producers have responded and how everyone rallied around this important fumigant it's, it's been pretty interesting to me to see how methyl bromide is still used today. If you would have asked me 15 years ago if methyl bromide was still going to be around today and still used today in any kind of capacity at, at all, I would have said no. There's no way I would have thought that it would have been used uh, still to this day. So the fact that we found interesting ways to still utilize this molecule productively has been pretty interesting. So, you know, I don't want to spend all the time talking about about how it's being phased out. I, I think the best thing that we can do is start off by just answering the question of what is methyl bromide? You know, we're, we're talking about the three main fumigants this season that are used in the United States, sulfurofluoride, methyl bromide, and phosphine. And so I just want to kind of go back to the basics and just have you help us understand what is methyl bromide and how does it work on controlling stored product pests? 
Methyl bromide is an odorless, colorless gas used to control a wide variety of pests. It is highly toxic and considered a biocide. So it's capable of killing not only insects and rodents, but also microbes like uh, bacteria and viruses, uh, nematodes found in the soil, and plant seeds. Uh, the two main ways methyl bromide has been utilized as a pesticide is as a soil fumigant uh, to help manage nematode, weed seeds, and microbes in the soil, and also as a space and commodity fumigant to eradicate insects or rodents found in food handling establishments or in stored commodities. Yeah, I find it pretty interesting that it has a microbial control as well. So the interesting thing about that is that when you're fumigating for insects or rodents inside some of these structures, you're also getting an additional benefit of at least some limited microbial control, uh, which a lot of the other fumigants don't do. Would you think that that's a correct statement? Yeah, yeah, it is a correct statement. Okay. And I know that methyl bromide is not really being used too much in food handling establishments or, or in stored commodities these days. It's still used pretty widely in soil fumigation, and it's used a lot for export fumigation, specifically for quarantine pests and then also for export of logs to countries like China. And uh, there's, I mean, of course, there's several countries, but China is one of the main export for logs from the United States. So I know it's still used in those capacities. We kind of already alluded to the fact that methyl bromide is being phased out. I was hoping maybe you could go into some more detail on why it's being phased out. And then also uh, an additional question. I mean, if we are phasing it out, why is it even still being used today? Well, in the 1970s and 80s, early 80s, the international community became increasingly concerned about thinning ozone levels over the Antarctica. Uh, a lot of that due to the cold temperature there, but that was known as the ozone hole. And they were also very concerned about ozone depleting substances uh, that were thought to contribute to this environmental problem. So the ozone layer is a part of Earth's atmosphere that acts as a shield to prevent ultraviolet radiation from reaching the Earth. So in 1985, the Vienna Convention for the Protection of the Ozone Layer formalized international cooperation. And two short years later, in 1987, it led to about 91 countries signing on to the Montreal Protocol on Substances that Deplete the Ozone Layer. So this is known as uh, Montreal Protocol. So when you hear that term, it was basically the first time all the countries had signed on and it happened in Montreal. <laughs> okay. Uh, Montreal Protocol establishes uh, legally binding controls on production and consumption of ozone-depleting substances. So even though methyl bromide was not initially listed as an ODS, it eventually was added and phase-down regulations were put in place. In the United States, a few important exemptions were granted, which allowed for continued use of methyl bromide. The first of these exemptions was known as a critical use exemption, and it allowed for continued use of methyl bromide if no economical or technical replacement was readily available. Uh, this exemption was pretty helpful for growers and producers as they tr transitioned on to alternatives uh, because not all the alternatives were registered and available on the market yet. The United States would collect applications from growers and producers and then present the request for CUE gas to the international level for approval. So over time, the requested use numbers were significantly cut at the international level, even though you know our federal government presented a need. 
And eventually, uh, EPA stopped soliciting CUE applications. Uh, the last CUEs were granted to California strawberries for 2015 and 2016 production and dry cured ham for 2016. At this time, methyl bromide is no longer produced to meet CUE needs. There is a small quantity of methyl bromide that was produced prior to the phase out, so prior to 2005, and that's known as uh, stock or pre-existing methyl bromide. If that is available, it can continue to be used, but eventually will be used up. Okay, so the goal here was to gradually reduce the amount of methyl bromide allowed to be used for these critical use exemptions over time to slowly phase it out so the industry could realistically and economically find it, have time to find a replacement, correct? For the most part. I think when the original exemption was put in place, it was also meant to be an exemption over time, regardless of you know, I don't know that they were planning on having applications never solicited. Oh, okay. But, yeah. But if you get to, you know, the point where the international community won't recognize a need, you're still a player on that treaty. You know, the United States signed up to be on the Montreal Protocol. You know, it's it's a legally binding treaty. Right. So um, the other exemption uh, that is still in play is quarantine and pre-shipment exemptions. And those are being utilized for continued production and use of methyl bromide to help make sure quarantine pests are still managed during international trade. So nobody wants to see problematic insects coming into their country. So they're not going to let something in if they think it's infested. Right. And some examples of some potential quarantine pests would be like the caffra beetle, emerald ash borers, uh, insects like that, or some of the quarantine pests that you may hear talked about when it, when you're speaking about quarantine and pre, pre-exemption uh, methyl bromide use, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And it, it may not even be a country, even here in the United States, like if you're going to ship cotton picking equipment from one part of the country into California, you might have to meet a quarantine need just to even ship that equipment. So it is a little bit uh, more encompassing than just on a country on international trade level. Right, right. Yep. And then the last exemption, uh, the emergency use exemption was put in place in case there was a need for methyl bromide under certain emergency needs. This exemption has not been used yet in the United States. Uh, The Ag Improvement Act of 2018, basically the recent farm bill, directed the Secretary of Agriculture in consultation with EPA to complete a study on the potential use of methyl bromide in response to an emergency event. Uh, The study was delegated to USDA's Office of Pest Management Policy to complete, and the study was to take a look at, well, basically to analyze risk and benefits of authorizing states, local and tribal authorities, or USDA to approve an emergency exemption. And the study was also to take a look at historic estimates of situations that could have been deemed emergency events and and what it would take for the U.S. to stay in compliance with Montreal Protocol if an emergency event uh, were to happen. So that study, I have not seen it yet. The study is due for completion by December 20th, 2020. So you can be on the lookout for that. Oh, so that's coming up pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time this airs, hopefully it will already have been out. So, <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so go look for it, everybody, if, if you're interested it in seeing what... It should be out. <laughs> yeah. 
So I do want to uh, go over this as well. I've used methyl bromide quite a bit in my career, both for export fumigation, and then of course I st I still remember using it for food processing fumigations. You know, several years ago, and this was like right around the time when the phase out was first starting, and there was still some of that pre phase out. That's what we always called it was pre phase out gas or methyl bromide manufactured prior to 2004. So I do remember doing a lot of that. But more recently, I get a lot of questions from folks that get really confused on the certifications and then also the labels because there's really two different types of methyl bromide registrations out there and then there's also these different certifications that we already talked about. So I was hoping you could go a little bit more in depth on what the difference is between quarantine pre-shipment use and then also quarantine use methyl bromide. Sure. So if a country has identified certain pests of concern, like we talked about earlier, uh, they're going to require that incoming items be free of those pests. Uh, the country importing may require treatments prior to the item being shipped over, which is known as pre-shipment. So that's where that term comes in. Right. If items are shipped in and found to contain a pest of concern, that government may quarantine the shipment until it is treated according to, to their predetermined treatment schedules. So, for example, here in the United States, USDA does have a treatment manual, and they have very specific treatment schedules, which tell you what product, you know, what chemistry to use, how long to hold the fumigant, at what temperatures, what your readings have to be at certain time frames. So it's, they're pretty detailed treatment schedules you have to follow. Yeah, I really like the treatment schedules that they've put together too because it literally takes almost all of the guesswork out of fumigating with methyl bromide. I mean, they leave no stone unturned when it comes to telling you exactly how to provide this fumigation with this product for that particular use. So uh, it's actually a pretty handy treatment schedule uh, because it takes all the guesswork out. Yeah. So, I mean, USDA spent a lot of time researching products. That's why when it came to the end of the day, methyl bromide was one of the treatments that was most often turned to just because like we talked about earlier, it's a, it's a great biocide on all life stages. And that tends to be the key because, you know, if, if the eggs can make it through the treatment, then you haven't completed your quarantine treatment. So, right. or whatever stage of pest is less susceptible. But some of the treatment schedules for quarantine fumigations call for higher dosage rates of methyl bromide than what may appear on commonly used product labels, um, such as methyl gas 100. So this tends to be confusing, but there is another label out there uh, available for use. It's uh, methyl gas Q, and there, there may be some other labeled products out there too. This is the one I'm familiar with though. But methyl gas Q allows for higher dosage rates, or it may have expanded commodity listings. The only caveat to all this is if you use methyl gas Q, uh, supervision by USDA is required, and it states that right on the front uh, label of the applicator manual. Right. So, yeah, you do not have to use methyl gas Q unless for some reason you're, you really need those higher dosage rates or you've got some other something else that's kind of triggering the use of methyl gas Q. Right. So, for example, if you're looking at the USDA treatment schedule and it calls for an application rate that's higher than what the methyl gas 100 label allows, that's when you're going to want to turn to the methyl gas Q product. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And just because it's a quarantine fumigation doesn't mean you can't use methyl gas 100 or right. another methyl gas uh, labeled product. Right. You just have to make sure that you're not exceeding that application rate 
unless you're the application yeah, so rate you for each product. Right. Yeah. Right. So you won't be in label violation. <laughs> exactly. No. Exactly. So yeah, it's really nice to be able to have these two different labels to pull from. That way you can maintain illegal fumigation uh, regardless of what the USDA uh, treatment schedules are asking for. So so obviously, methyl bromide is still being used today, even though we've been working on phasing it out over the last several years. Do you think that we will ever see a replacement fumigant for methyl bromide, or do you think that it's already been replaced? Do we already have enough alternatives on the market to actually replace it if needed? Sure. We have already seen replacement options for methyl bromide applications. And, and by the way, I, we don't really like the term phase out. That was a EPA term by the Office of Air. We, we oh, okay. prefer phase down, which has happened. But however, um, methyl bromide was such a great biocide, capable of killing all life stages at a reasonable cost and dosage rate, that not all applications have been adequately replaced. So work does continue in this area, especially for QPS needs, and some treatment schedules have been expanded. However, at this time, methyl bromide remains one of the key QPS fumigant treatments. Current research in this area is focused on finding alternative treatments to methyl bromide with the use of fumigants such as SF, phosphine, combination treatments with CO2, irradiation, and other novel approaches. Uh, the Methyl Bromide Alternative Outreach Conference meets every year. It's known as MBAO, and it allows researchers, regulators, growers, and producers a platform to present up-and-coming possible alternatives. During the recent MBAO meeting in November of 2020, uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration presented information that shows stratospheric ozone is showing signs of recovery. So that's good news. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And a full recovery is expected around 2015. Variations of ozone hole occur from year to year, depending on, especially on temperature, uh, volcanic activity, and winds. And they do know methyl bromide is emitted from naturally occurring sources, such as the ocean. So not all emissions are man-made. But this is good news for quarantine and pre-shipment use, because there is a concern, you know, how do you eradicate pests in a, you know, an economical fashion and, and you know, get the job done? Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing, too, is, I mean, Methyl bromide is such an absolutely terrific fumigant. It works so well, and it's been very difficult to find an apples-to-apples -apples replacement for methyl bromide. So what, what I'm finding over the course of the last several years, you know, we're working on replacement options, of course, for methyl bromide, as you uh, spoke about. But what I'm seeing is, is there's no apples-to-apples -apples replacement for methyl bromide. There's no fumigant out there on the market currently that replaces all of the positives that methyl bromide have to offer for this wide variety of applications. Uh, so what I'm finding is, is we're having to use a different fumigants and different methods of treatment to replace methyl bromide. And I just kind of find that interesting. I mean, methyl bromide is such a strong fumigant and it works so well that there's just not any fumigant out there on the market today or any treatment method out, out there for that matter on the market today that replaces it completely across the board. Would you agree with that? <laughs> oh, definitely. <Okay. laughs> yeah. And that's the whole reason why we've seen, you know, you said earlier, if somebody had told you 15 years later, we'd still be using methyl bromide uh, and you'd say, no, we wouldn't. And here we are 20 plus years later, yeah. and it's still being used. 
Yeah. Do you think that there's going to be a continued future use for methyl bromide? Well, at this time, QPS methyl bromide is still allowed for production under the Montreal Protocol and is being used to meet mandatory treatment schedules required by importing countries. So yes, over the past 20 years, methyl bromide production has significantly been reduced uh, during the what we like to call the phase down process. Right. But remaining production levels are small. Production for QPS needs has remained stable over that time frame. So as long as there is a valid QPS need, uh, production for that need should continue. Well, and the best news that I heard out of everything that we talked about today so far is, although we're still finding continued use of methyl bromide, which is such a viable molecule. I mean, it works so well. We're still able to use it in a limited capacity compared to what we were using it, you know, 20, 30 years ago and and further back. But we're still able to use it But the concern that we had with its ozone depletion uh, potential is going away. Even though we're still using it in a limited capacity, the ozone uh, layer is repairing itself. So that's really good news. And that is really, in my opinion, lending itself to the continued use of methyl bromide. If we're solving the problem with the ozone layer and we're still using methyl bromide in a limited fashion, I don't see any reason why we can't continue to use it and still see those positive results with the ozone layer. In my opinion, I think that's fantastic news. Yes. And, you know, if for some reason they were to not continue seeing good results, then, you know, there's always a possibility they could clamp down even tighter. But that's not the case right now. Right. That's great. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that because it is such an awesome molecule and it really is important to our industry to continue to use it. So one of the last things that I like to ask everybody that comes onto the podcast, I like to ask them, if you were talking to a brand new fumigator, if you were talking to a person who is fresh to the fumigation industry, they may not even have their fumigation certification yet. Somebody who's brand new, what kind of advice would you give that person that's just starting out? Fumigation work is a very specialized business full of technical and legal challenges. So make sure you surround yourself with good mentors that can help guide you through those challenges. You can easily become state certified in the fumigation category, but field experience gained by working side-by-side with other experienced fumigators is another component necessary for safely working with specialized fumigant products. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I don't think that you're going to be the only person that's going to offer that advice because it's critical advice for new fumigators in the industry. There are a lot of really experienced and really qualified people in our industry that can help you out when you're first starting out in this industry. Folks such as Pam here who, if you ask them questions, will be more than happy to help you learn how to do this safely. Uh, And really, that's the goal. First and foremost, our goal is safety. We want everybody involved in the fumigation industry to go home safe at the end of the day so they can spend time with their friends and their family. And then, of course, the control of the stored product pests is secondary to that. Okay, so that's all I had for you today, Pam. I really appreciate your time and attention today. I think that this is an important topic, and I'm very happy that we were able to have you join us on the podcast to kind of clear up some of the potential confusion with methyl bromide. So thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, It's my pleasure. All right, thanks. I want to thank Pam Peckman for clearing up some of the confusion that comes along with using methyl bromide. I'm sure you'll agree that once we learn how to distinguish the differences in products and certifications, the methyl bromide is much easier to understand. On the next podcast, we'll dive into the final fumigant we'll be discussing that's available on the United States market, sulfuryl fluoride. 
In the meantime, if you have any questions about this episode's topic or any other questions relating to the industry, please make sure to reach out to us. You can find us at dagishamerica.com or on all of the main social media outlets. You can also feel free to email us at info at dagishamerica.com. And so, until next time, I'm Ben Harl, and I hope you have a safe and terrific day.